be back in the house of God this morning. Glad to be back in liberal Kansas this morning. Amen. I believe God has something great today. I don't know if I was in the right place or not. I said, I believe God has something great for liberal Kansas today. Amen. I, uh, when I first got the invitation to come to Liberal over a year ago, I thought, what kind of place did I get myself into? A place called Liberal. <laughs> I mean, I'm old-fashioned. I'm conservative. Going to a liberal place until I do what I always do before I go into a place, I research the name. How did Liberal get its name? And I, I found out Liberal is a place that got its name because somebody once was very liberal with their generosity toward other people, specifically in the area of needing water. Amen? And so, and, and as I begin to th- think about names, and I think names say a whole lot, and many times we live up to our names even though we don't realize it. But I just feel like God has something He wants to lavish upon liberal. I don't know if they believe that or not. If I didn't believe God wanted to bless me in liberal, I would find a place that he could bless me at. They're just speechless. Speechless. Amen. If I wasn't where I felt God would, could bless me, I would get to where I feel he could bless me. Amen. I, I got to be where the blessing of the Lord is. Amen. I want to be where the Lord makes his presence known, his gift known. Hallelujah. And if God can bless anywhere, he ought to be able to bless in liberal Kansas. Amen? I believe I have a word for this morning. But tonight, I'm preaching a message God gave me when I was in Oklahoma City. And I didn't know if it would get me ran out of Oklahoma City or not. But the Holy Ghost showed up. Miracles took place. And I got back to Texas. I was in Louisiana Cajun country, LSU, Tigers. I said, I'm going to get brave a boy from Texas, preach a message that could have got me run out of Oklahoma, but it didn't. What on earth is that? Don't let tooth sense. Did y'all hear that? It says, don't let tooth sensitivity get the best of you. Shut up. Somebody got a terrible tooth problem right now? Seriously. Come here, brother. Come here. That is just weird that a commercial about tooth sensitivity comes up when I'm talking about God moving and doing miracles. Father, I've never met him. I shook his hand before church, and he said he hadn't been here in a while. But, Lord, as I'm talking about miracles, all of a sudden, for some crazy reason, a commercial pops up about tooth sensitivity. Could it be that you just orchestrated something and set something up? I don't put it beyond God to do crazy stuff. We don't play by the rules that other people play by. We play by the rules of the kingdom. 
God is who He says He is, and He'll do what He said He could do. Father, I ask you, Lord, right now, I don't know whether my brother believes or doesn't believe. He might feel like I have really put him on the spot. But he didn't have to raise his hand about tooth sensitivity, but he did. Father, heal this body. Heal this body. Restore the tooth. Take away the pain from the sensitivity in the nerves. Lord, I've seen you heal teeth before. Someone would ask, why on earth would God heal a tooth? Because if it's part of our body, he paid the price. Father, take away all the pain and all the sensitivity, Lord, right now, in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Did anything happen? Just keep working your mouth just a moment. Father, complete the work. My wife will know that I've, I've never prayed for anybody's teeth because teeth freak me out. <laughs> a wiggle tooth from a, a child will just make me sick. I was in Richmond, Indiana. A guy comes up for prayer about his teeth. And I said, brother, I can't even think about teeth. I said, I'll pray for anything else but your teeth. He says, I got a migraine. I said, I, I believe God can heal the migraine. I said, if, God, if I can believe for the migraine, you believe for the tooth. God healed his migraine. I don't know what God did about the tooth, but God healed the migraine. So I'm just saying, I got my weak, weakness. The next night I was in Oden, Illinois. And a woman needed a miracle in her tooth. But for some reason, she didn't feel led to come up and ask for prayer, even though God was doing other stuff, because I announced the night before, I didn't do teeth. That was on a Friday night. She came to church on Sunday morning. And this is the crazy thing. She believed. When she got home, she had a brand new tooth in her mouth. That I had nothing to do with but because she had faith in God. I've never prayed for a tooth in my life. But I believe God's touching your teeth. How does it feel right now? Well, listen. I am too. I am too. God heals hearts. But you know what? God healed, Jesus healed people in the Bible that never even came back and say thank you. Amen. And see the thing about God, he's in the, the big picture of things because sometimes he heals bodies even though he knows your heart. But because God knows that once he does something, it's going to sink in. Amen? He does stuff that sinks in. Now you let me know before the service is over when that tooth is healed. Amen? Amen? Amen. God bless you. And I hope I didn't embarrass you. All right. Well, I don't want to put. How did that happen? I even had my internet turned off, and that happened. You say you want a hemorrhoid commercial? No. Oh, oh, oh. oh. I do frequently pray for hemorrhoids. I pray for hemorrhoids in uh, Mamou, Louisiana. And I said, that's something that we don't like to talk about.
And the next night, a man comes up and says, Pastor, you know that thing that we don't like to talk about? God healed me last night. Amen. And God's got a sense of humor. Amen. And where was I? I preached this message in Louisiana, and I thought, well, it get me kicked out of Louisiana for sure. But the Holy Spirit shows up. People get healed, and I get back to Texas. I'm going to preach a message tonight that's sure to get me kicked out of Kansas. And you'll know what I'm talking about when I preach tonight. But I believe the Lord's going to show up and heal some folks. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's not about who we are. It's about who He is. Amen? And not just about who He is, but what He's already done. Amen? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So tonight, healing service at 6 o'clock. And it's not just spiritual matters. We're going to deal with spiritual matters today. I believe God's going to meet physical matters tonight. Amen? But, you know, we get, we get uh, our names mean a whole lot. And uh, I was in uh, Columbus, Indiana a couple of years ago and uh, having dinner with the pastor. Uh, the pastor had some of her friends that all gathered with us for lunch, and lunch ran into dinner. And uh, found out the pastor wanted me to pray for her friend that was depressed all the time. All she wanted to do was lay around, sleep, never wanted to get up off the sofa. Just wanted to lay around and do absolutely nothing. This, this was totally not like her because she'd always been up and busy and helping people and always happy and lively. And, and for some reason, I, well, she told me that this didn't happen to her until her first husband died and she remarried. And for some crazy reason, because I understand sometimes me, names have meanings, and I said, ma'am, what, what is your married name? And she says, my married name is Couch. 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 And all she wants to do is lay around. Couch. Her name was Couch. She wanted to lay around. That's all she wanted to do. Never wanted to get up off the couch because she was married to a sofa. She was laying on the sofa because she was married to a couch. And then I said, ma'am, just out of curiosity, I said, I know what your, 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 your husband's name is now. It's, it's Couch. I said, by chance, what was your first husband's name? And she says his name was Swift. When she was married to a swift, she was always up, running around, helping others. But when she married a couch, stuff gets a hold of us. Amen? But we got to get beyond who we are and be everything the Lord wants us to be. Amen? I don't want to miss my defining moment. Even when bad stuff has happened to me in my life and there have been setbacks. Last night I preached on Terah. Terah was the father of Abram. And I, I begin my message how God oftentimes in the Bible was referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Quite a, a good little combination of names. There's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob. Then I, I, I saw where, uh, and I'm not going to re-preach that message, but uh, Abram left his father's house and he landed up in the land of Canaan. And the Bible says he finally got there. 
And I begin to look at why the, the version of the Bible I was reading used the word finally. And I, it comes to find out Abram had a father named Terah. And Terah had it in his heart to go to the same place that Abram was called to do. But Terah never made it. The word Terah, the, 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 I worked, looked up the word meaning for Terah, T-E-R-A-H, just a few moments ago, and it means a station or a position in life. And I begin to, But I begin to wonder, why did Terah stop at Haran? He only got halfway where it was in his heart to go. You know, many times as we journey in life, situations cause us to stop in our tracks, and that's as far as we go. Terah stopped in a place, and that's where his dream died because he died. When Haran, uh, uh, Terah died, his dream died with him. And as I look in the book of Joshua, it tells us a little bit, bit more about Terah. And it says Terah had idols in his life, and that's what kept him from going all the way to the fulfillment of the promise that God had put in his heart. He missed his opportunity. It could have been the God of Terah, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. But he missed his defining moment. I'm writing a book right now. It's called Discouragement, Difficulties, and Defining Moments. You see, it doesn't matter what's happened to you. This is not how your story has to end. At any given moment, you can say to yourself, this is not how my life is going to end, that I was created with a purpose. I might be at a position or a place in my life that I don't want to be, but you've still got time to turn your life around. Can I hear an amen? But you got to have a dream. Where would we be without a dream? I like dreaming. I've had a dream since I was 16 years old, and I watched the movie, a Burt Reynolds movie, called Deliverance. Has anybody ever watched the movie Deliverance? I wanted to have a canoe. I don't want to go on those hills and ride a canoe. Just let me stick to East Texas or some other tamer places. I don't want to go where the hillbillies are at. But I've wanted to have a canoe, just something about a canoe getting out in nature. And I've always had it in my heart to have a canoe, but I've never bought one. First of all, I've never made it a priority with my money, having four daughters and having four weddings and all this stuff. I didn't have money in my life for a canoe. But even though I did not have a canoe, I had a dream in my heart. And the good thing about a dream, a dream can take you anywhere you want to go. Even though I did not own a canoe, I have traveled down some of the most beautiful waterways in the world only in my mind. You know, the good thing about dreaming is you don't have to battle your canoe turning over. And you don't have to battle mosquitoes. You don't have to battle alligators. When I canoe in my mind, I don't ever break a sweat. I don't ever get thirsty. I don't ever get lost and I don't ever get stranded for the night. 
But I've got this beautiful image in my mind of canoeing the most beautiful waterways in the world. And I've talked about it so much. My daughter's Father's Day a year ago decided they needed to get me a canoe for Father's Day. They put the money I needed in my hand said, Daddy, go buy you a canoe. And I had a hard time going and buying a canoe because it would take away my dream. You see, I, I, I'm not going to label myself being poor, but I've never had. I mean, I, you know, we chose for my wife to be a stay-at-home mom and, and nurture my daughters. And there's just some things in life you can't put a price tag on. So we're not poor, we're not poor by any means. We may not have much money, but we're not poor. How did I get off? Well, I lost my train of thought now. It happens when you get old. I got, I got too much on my mind. It's just wanting to get out of me this morning. But they bought me. They gave me the money to buy a canoe. But I didn't want to. Oh, yeah, kind of like being poor. You can always have a dream. I'd hate to be rich because you can't dream about anything. Wouldn't it be horrible in life not to have a dream? Wouldn't it be terrible just to be able to go out and buy anything you wanted to buy? I mean, it would be nice, but all of a sudden, there's nothing to dream about. There's nothing to hope for. And my daughters got tired of me dreaming about canoeing, so they gave me the money to buy a canoe, but I I didn't want to get rid of my dream. So I took my canoe money, and I went out and bought me a, uh, a handgun. I got snakes around my yard. I got, I got me a handgun that shoots shotgun shells. I've got this dream of killing every snake that I see. I'm fulfilling that dream. But I took the money that they gave me for my canoe, and I bought me a handgun with it, and I know they were disappointed. And this last Father's Day, including my wife, they all gave me something to do with canoes. My daughter gave me a padded seat for a canoe. I don't even have a canoe, and she gave me a padded seat. One of my daughters gave me a waterproof duffel bag. I don't need a waterproof duffel bag because my boat doesn't turn over in my dreams. My wife gave me a pair of gloves to help me that I won't get blisters on my hands. You don't get blisters on your hands when you're paddling in your dreams. And so I was conceded to the fact that I must go buy a canoe. That was Father's Day. The day after Father's Day, I took my young people to camp. And I was sitting there one day minding my own business. And a total stranger comes up to me total stranger comes up to me and says, what would you buy for yourself if money was not a problem? I just told him the first thing on my mind. I had gloves. I had a duffel bag. I had a padded seat. I had all this stuff, but I didn't have a canoe. I knew I had to buy a canoe. And I just said, if money was not a problem for me, I'd buy myself a canoe. And he says, well, what do canoes cost? I said, well, bottom in, 500 to $800. He turned and looked at his wife, and she nodded at him. He disappeared. Five minutes later, came back with six 
brand new $100 bills and put them in my hand and said, go buy a canoe. <laughs> now, I don't want to, that don't happen. That doesn't happen every day in the life of a preacher. Are you with me? I didn't ask for it. I wasn't even flirting somebody, with somebody for it like some preachers know how to flirt with people that's got money. But he asked. I told him. Within five minutes, I had the canoe in my hands. Now I had to buy the canoe. And I came to the realization, the Lord wants me to quit dreaming about something and get on board with something that he put inside my heart. Now listen, I don't know why I need a canoe, but the longer I'm in ministry, the longer I'm around people, the more I understand I need to get away from people. Jesus said he had to get away from people. He told the disciples, you get in the boat, go to the other side. I need to get alone all by myself sometimes because ministry is so demanding. Sometimes we got to get away from everybody just to recharge. Listen, who do you think puts dreams inside your heart? Now, the devil can put dreams inside your heart. Dreams that will take you the wrong direction. And many people follow their heart and follow their dreams. And they, when they get to that destination, they realize this is not the path that they should have followed. But God puts a dream in your heart because you can see yourself being a life changer. I put on my Facebook wall the other day, I would be ashamed to die without having done something or Christ in me that made life better for other people. I don't think any of us have a dream just to get rich or just to be famous or just to have a nice house, but God puts within our heart a dream that will be of significance to other people because when we breathe our last breath, we want to know that our life down here actually had meaning and had purpose. And even though there may be 8 billion people in the world alive just at this very moment, we've all, every one of us, have a unique destiny in Christ Jesus. I believe every single person, even though they may be a Muslim or a Buddhist, not even saved yet, but God has a purpose for them. When they find Jesus, Jesus can make every dream come to pass. Now listen. This message today is about Jesus making stuff come alive within our heart. It's... It's not a motivational speech. But I understand sometimes we need some motivational speeches because it encourages us to be the best that we can be in Jesus. But more than just a motivational message or a message of getting your heart right with God, I believe there's a personal word for somebody in the house today. I believe there's a word every one of us can take home with us. It can change our lives, our church, and our community. But really, I also believe, and I've written the word down, and I think I could probably, if I was a good guesser, maybe I could guess. 
But I don't know what God's doing in your heart. I don't know how it is for you to receive what God's saying right now. But I believe this might be someone's defining moment to get on track with everything that you've ever seen in your heart, but you've never been able seem to, to, to get on board with it. But it says, oh, by the way, I preached last night, Friday night. You could be on the verge of the moment you were created for. I was watching a documentary the other day about the California gold rush. And there were two old men had left everything to go find gold. They had sacrificed everything. And every time they got a little bit of gold in their pocket, somebody always found a way to steal it from them. Or they were making bad decisions, trusting the wrong people. And one day, when those old miners had had all of it he could take, he couldn't take it anymore. He was through with it. He was just done. He didn't want to live. He didn't love nobody, didn't trust nobody. And he told his partner they were mining. He says, I'll be back later. And the guy picked up his gun, went down the creek bank, and blew his head off. The old friend didn't know what to do. The old man didn't have any family around him because he left them all. He picked up a shovel, dug a hole to put the man's body in, and found the biggest vein of gold in California. While you're tempted to quit and give up, you may be sitting on something that could not only change your life, but the life of a whole lot of people. Can I hear an amen? amen. Genesis fifteen eleven. The Lord in a vision, a dream. God speaks through visions. He speaks through dreams. Last time I was here, I preached on how God uses angels to help us in our destiny. Angels are the workforce of God. I'm not afraid to talk about angels because angels are real. Amen. God used angels all the way from Genesis to the book of Revelation. From as far back as you man, there's record of God and man to as far in the future. God has always worked his purposes through angels. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit and angels of God. But when God gave Abram a vision, angels were attached to it. Because they're the movers and shakers on planet earth. But God told Abram through a vision or a dream. Fear not, Abram. I am thy exceeding great reward. Listen. Some people think that God's trying to make them poor. Some people think God's trying to send them to hell. No, God's trying to get you to do good in your life. God wants your life to mean something. He wants you to have purpose. He's not trying to beat you down. He's trying to pick you up. He wants to put a promise in your heart that will pull you to your future and your destiny. In 2 John 1, 8, it says, Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Not a partial reward, 
You don't want to partially fulfill your, 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 uh, the, what you were created for. You want God to do everything he said he would do. You want to be able to stand before God one day and hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. It says in 2 Peter 1, 4, We have been giving, we have, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. It says in Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. Listen, if you're a child of God on any level. You have a measure of. Of the power of God working inside you. It doesn't take much of God to turn your life upside down. You see, the touch of God on our life is kind of like the story of the man and the stewards. They were all given something. And the one that sat on it and did nothing... Had nothing to show for it because he sat on it. When God begins to work, you can't sit on it. You got to move with it. You got to go with it. And the more you go with God, the more God develops things in your life. The more you work with God, the more you, you learn to yield yourself to him and that you can fully trust him. And if you'll just get working it, you'll find more of the grace and more of the presence and more of the touch of God upon your life. Now listen to this in Isaiah 54, laying the groundwork of Scripture here. Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth, break into loud and joyful song. O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor, For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home. And spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Verse 5 says, For your Creator will be your husband, and the Lord of heaven's army is his name. Listen, it doesn't matter if you've blown every chance up to this point in your life. It doesn't matter how many opportunities have slipped through your hands. You're like the woman, the barren, childless woman. Nothing good has ever happened to me. But the word here says we have reason to shout and have a joyful song. The woman that has never been in labor is about to give birth to children. And she's going to be more fruitful than even the woman that has a husband. You see, God wants to prosper us. He wants to make your wildest dreams come to pass. Who puts those dreams there anyway? The Lord does. You see, I think names mean a whole lot as we begin to take them apart and dissect them. The word Satan. The first three letters of the word Satan spells the word Seth. 
The devil wants you to sit on the promises of God. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But God sent his son Jesus. The first two letters of the word God spelled the word. God always has action or movement or going forward, multiplicity with it. Jesus wants you to have abundant life. And there's no greater feeling in all the world than fulfilling the promises of God on your life. Listen, I found that God's not going to give you something that's going to torment you. God's not going to give you an assignment that you're not happy with. Some people say sometimes, well, serving God is just that got me miserable all the time. God's always having to whoop me. And Listen, he only disciplines children that are disobedient. My God is not psycho. He's not looking for an opportunity to beat you down but to lift you up. He wants you to find pleasure in fulfilling his Purpose for your life. Say there's pleasure in fulfilling purpose for his life. We're all adults in here. Are we? The word of the Lord from the very beginning for man was be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And God gives a little pleasure to make that happen. Are you with me? Don't sit there acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. Are you with me? What God calls us to do, it's a joy. His yoke is easy and His burden's light. Amen. And there's joy in serving the Lord. With joy we'll draw water from the wells of salvation. You see, being saved and serving God is not the worst thing in the world. Only if it's not in your heart. I know what it's like as a teenager. I was just trying to miss hell. We've all been there. We got saved out of fear. I don't want to go to hell. Hell's going to be long. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hard. And I didn't have very much joy serving Jesus because I was just trying to stay out of hell. But when I developed a relationship of love with the Lord, I found out it's not trying to stay out of hell. I just want to make him happy. I think serving the Lord is the greatest thing in the world. Amen? But the hev- our Heavenly Father is the one who puts the dream inside our heart. Those of you that were here the other night, I talked about my broody hen. I'm not going to go into all those details, but I got a hen that was laying. All my hens were laying and went in my pen one day, and I had a broody hen, which is not really a problem. That's what you want hens to do, except I'd got rid of my rooster. That broody hen was sitting on eggs that never had, never, it never had an opportunity to produce a chick. We know how that stuff happens. A chicken doesn't just lay an egg and produce life. That hen has to have a husband. 
But when they come together, it injects life and something can happen. But many people are trying to live their life and their dreams without the Creator as a part of it. And we're holding on to our dreams, walking out our dreams, living our lives, doing things to try to make us happy. But it will never produce happiness because we've not yielded ourselves to the Holy Spirit. But when you've yielded yourself to God, what you do, your dream produces something powerful. And I get thinking about the one that he says, The Lord of the armies of the heavens is the name of our husband. Now listen, because he's my husband doesn't make less of a man out of me. We understand we're the children of God. Nothing in our life of eternal value is produced except God is the author of it. But the Lord of the armies of the heavens is His name. This gets me excited. And I got thinking... About the old song that I always used to hear Big John Hall sing. You remember Big John Hall? How big is God? Yeah. You all remember that Big John Hall, how big is... And he sang that song, how big is God? You know how big God is? Raise your hand and let me see if you know how big God is. I know how big I think he is. That's really what we're saying. How big is God? How big is the leader of the armies of heaven? So, you know, I'm not good at Hebrew and Greek, but I'm good at Google. (laughs) I typed in the phrase, how big is the universe? Wiki says, does anybody know Wiki? Wiki says... The universe was already far too big to understand. But scientists just found out that it's actually much bigger than we previously thought. And they say the universe is made up of two trillion galaxies. And then it puts in parentheses or possibly more. Two hundred billion solar systems in our galaxy. Two hundred billion solar systems. In other words, the sun, our moon, the stars, our planets. There's two hundred billion of these in our solar system. And our solar system makes up part of over two trillion Galaxies. When I preach this message, sometimes I feel like I must sit down because my head starts to spin and I start to get dizzy. I, I, I start to lose my breath because I, I thought God was big enough to hold the moon in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hands. That's a pretty big God that can have this old world in his hands. But 200 billion solar systems, 
and there are over two trillion galaxies or perhaps more. Then I asked, then went on for some more stuff, asked Wiki. Wiki says, for thousands of years, astronomers wrestled with basic questions about the size and the age of our universe. Does the universe go on forever or does it have an edge somewhere? That's a good question. Does God have an outer limit? Does God have an outer limit? Does the universe go on forever or does it have an edge somewhere? In 1929, Edwin Hubble, an astronomer at Caltech University, made a critical discovery that soon led to scientific answers for these questions. He discovered that the universe is indeed expanding. Well, we don't believe all that stuff those scientists say. They don't know. But can you prove that in the Bible? I can prove it in the Bible. Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God says, Let there be light. And light rushed off at what we've discovered to be the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second. Only God could create something that could move that fast. 186,000 miles per second, that is 671 million miles per hour. That is over 16 trillion miles in one day. Listen, when God said, let there be light, you look at the word light in the original Hebrew, uh, and it means happiness. It means life. Where there is light, there is life. And when God says, let there be light, it rushed from his mouth 186,000 miles a second, 671 miles an hour, over 12 trillion miles a day. And he never told it to stop. We believe in roughly 6,000 years of the history of man since God said, let there be light. If that light goes forth at 16 trillion miles a day, 24 hours a day, 60 minutes in an hour. I I can't wrap my head around that. Hubble says the universe is expanding. The question is, Is the universe, did God create it as big as it will ever be? Or is God creating emptiness for himself to fill? That is a good question. Is it just a huge vacuum, an eternal vacuum? I don't know how God does it. But you know what? It's not a salvation issue. I'm not going to worry about stuff like that because... I can't even wrap around my head around the idea that there's a God that can make the, the hot wind blow away and the cool wind take its place. 
I can't hardly wrap my mind around a man, a God so big, so powerful that he knows and tells the waves what your boundaries are. Are you with me? And let me tell you something else that blows my mind. This is the 16 trillion miles a day. That's nothing compared to what I'm about to tell you. When God said, let there be light. But light doesn't just go that way. It goes that way. Is that not 24 trillion And it's not just that way and that way, but it's that way. And it's that way. And it's this way. And it's this way. Every direction you turn, you'll find God is at work. This is, I I don't know if I can finish this message. I, I might... If I get dizzy and have to sit down, it's his fault, not mine. David says, who is man that God is mindful? How can God do all that and worry about me? How can he give me a thumbprint that's different than anybody else's thumbprint in this room? Or in the state of Kansas. Or in the United States. Or every person that's ever been. Or every person that will ever be. How can God design it to the, that there's never ever two snowflakes that are identically the same? Some said it like this one time. God is big and he does stuff. That just says it all. But I got to close. For some people, God is no bigger than the city limit signs to liberal. One of the greatest things God ever did was take me out of my little sawmill town of 1500. And let me fly over a few cities, a few nations. And see... God is involved in so much. God is more involved than just the little stuff I know about. This old world's in a mess of trouble. Man did it to himself. But I tell you, God still got everything under control. Psalms 103.19 says, The Lord has prepared His throne in the heavens And his kingdom ruleth over all. All this vast expanse of universe and time. Is there life in other places? I don't know. And really I can't worry about that. You say well I'm going to ask God that when I get to heaven. Listen when I get to heaven. I'm not going to be worried about life in other places. I'm just going to be glad to be there. All the stuff down here is not going to... I don't have to have any question answered. I'm just going to be in the presence of God. But His kingdom rules over everything. It says in 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen generation, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth with the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's called us into his light. You see, what we've got to do as believers, we've been bought, our salvation's been bought and paid for. We've got to get on God's program. God's got a purpose in the earth. God's got stuff He wants done, and you're designed to be a part of it. My wife and I, we've been watching a show on Amazon Prime called uh, Inventions That Rock the World. It talks about all the major inventions of the past number of decades. And it tells us how they discovered how to make a radio wave to transmit to a radio or to a TV or a Bluetooth. How does that stuff happen? Well, God has already created the waves, light and sound. They all have different waves. The length of it determines the color of light or the, the, the frequency of a, of a station. That, now, that's beyond me. That's saying it, a very complicated thing in very simple terms. We know that there's always waves of every kind. Every sound wave, every light wave, every color, it has a frequency. But how can men capture that and do something with it? you got to find a way to get your message riding that frequency. Does that make sense? You got These guys developed this, how they could take the radio wave, a wave of energy, and attach their voice to it and have it span across the oceans. You know, God's out there, and he's put something in our heart. We got to become one with the purposes of God. Jesus said, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. Just get on board with what God has already. I don't understand how this works, but I know it works. These signs shall follow them that believe. Now, let me close. The kingdom of heaven expands. Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Psalms 8 verse 3. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained. That's as far as they could see back then. But we can see much farther than that now. But it's a lot bigger now than it was then too. You've made men to have dominion over the works of your hands. And he has put all things under our feet. In other words, God has given us a purpose on planet earth. And he's putting it under our power. Now, here's the thought I have for today. Jeremiah 4, 3. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. The thing I want you to see this morning is how big God is. 
do this. Say, he's big. He's big. But you know what? God don't want you worrying about the stars. Don't worry about the moon. Don't worry about the planets. Don't worry about the speed of light. Don't worry about 12 trillion miles a day in just one direction. The Lord says, you worry about what's under your feet. Listen to me. We like to take on problems that's not ours. I'm going to have to let God orchestrate the universe. I can't even control the direction of the wind. I can't control the sun coming up in the morning or going down in the evening. But I have dominion over what's under my feet. And the Lord says, you're walking on top of something and you walked on top of it all your life. Some of you are walking around liberal all your life, all your life, all your life. Maybe you've been gone, but God brought you back here and you're back here. And, and you just, well, I can't find anything to do for God. And it's right under your nose. It's right under your nose. We pulled over along about Perryton, out in the middle of nowhere, to switch drivers. I decided to let my wife drive while I was sleepy. You men like to drive, don't you? Most of you. Remote controls and driver's seats, that's what we like. I got tired. I thought it was best to let her drive. We got out, pulled up in front of someone's yard, a little bitty house, and as far as you could see was fields. I guess it was corn or soybean or something. But all the way right up to that person's front door. They didn't have a yard. Y'all have seen places. Maybe, maybe this is your yard. But right up to their front porch, it was all plowed up. Well, somebody like, some people like to have a yard out there see the green grass. Some people see a pretty yard with green grass. Other people see money. That little bit extra. You could have a swimming pool out there. You could have a trampoline out there. You could have a golf course out there. But you plowed it up and you planted seeds. And that might just be enough seeds to keep somebody from starving to death. You seen places like that? You go down to Louisiana the same way. Rice fields. Rice fields go right up to a person's front door. Because somebody doesn't waste an opportunity. And the Lord says, plow up unplowed fields. While you're bored with your life, maybe, and you're convinced God has never done anything with your life, and God's never, it might, you might be sitting on top of a gold mine. If you just turned over the ground. The one thing I've had to learn about my little town, my little church, my little town. There's so many possibilities. I've been there 34 years and I've got to say I haven't seen everything God can do. I've got to turn over the ground. 
I've got to plow up every unplowed field and give God every chance in my life to make the most of every opportunity. We don't value opportunities until we start getting old. And we get to thinking, I wish I'd have done more. I don't want to die one day thinking, I wish I'd have done more. I want to look back when I breathe my last breath and with satisfaction know that I've done the absolute very best with what God has given me an opportunity to do. The earth is not expanding. The ground is not expanding. The oceans are not expanding. The stuff we have control over, it's, it's not overwhelming us. We just got to do it. Just come to the piano, please, brother, just real softly. I had a friend with me. We were in Ireland. I like to travel and preach. My friend, my very, very dear friend, my closest friend in the world, was with me playing the guitar and singing. We were in a little small place, a little bit of small church, and I preached a message on healing. And we were seeing God move and touch people. And I was standing right next to the platform because there wasn't much space in the church, and he was right there, just almost right on top of me. I could like almost feel him breathing on me. Then as he was trying to play the guitar and sing, he started reaching over me and putting his hands on the person I was ministering to. Now, first of all, when I minister to people, I like to have a person's undivided attention. Sometimes, I mean, there's a, there's a place for Pentecostal prayer huddles where we all get together and everybody puts their hands on somebody. But sometimes I just want their undivided, focused attention. Not only did I feel like my friend Johnny was distracting them, he was distracting me because I could feel him going over my head. And he didn't mean nothing bad about it. He was just trying to be helpful. I discovered I had an unplowed field. I had to, get, I had to find somewhere to get Johnny off my back. I had a thought. To this day, I don't know if it was God or if I was lying. But I said, my friend Johnny standing right here behind me has a prophetic gift. I said, tonight I want to minister to all that are sick and need a hitting in their body. And I said, because Johnny has a gift of prophecy, if you need a word from the Lord tonight, Johnny's fixing to come stand over here and he'll give you a word from the Lord. Johnny looked at me like, what did I just say? And when I saw the look of panic on Johnny's face, I thought, that's funny. Because we're always pranking each other. When I saw the look of panic on Johnny's face, I said, I'm fixing to add another log on the fire. I said, as a matter of fact, Johnny's gift is laser sharp. And he will not miss. I freaked Johnny out. But he didn't know if I was playing 
or prophesying. All he needed to do was put his guitar down. And he came over here and stood. And when he began to speak, he spoke as the mouthpiece of God. And you know, brother, that gift was not working in his life. He was just like us. He was just a normal, ordinary pastor. But when I spoke, I had to believe it was God. But I sure did like seeing him sweat and get nervous. But it opened up something in his life that though we're hundreds of miles apart and we don't always get to travel together anymore, that gift is still working. It's amazing what God could do if we just yielded ourselves. And say, God, I'll make myself available. You know, take this message as a church. Y'all are doing a series on rebuilding the church, the book of Nehemiah. I didn't know that when I came here. Or I could have kind of helped the pastor out and design a message to kind of stay with the flow of things. But I just believe God orchestrates stuff. And hearts and visions come together even though we've not verbally, physically talked about it. You know, as we see a good crowd this morning for a town this size with so many churches. Truth of the matter is, our church could be filled up and running over. The balcony could be filled. There could be a line of people. As I stand here and preach, standing at the door waiting for a second service. Because we hadn't got out yet. It happens in other places. Why can't it happen here? You know, the stuff I'm telling you, stuff that God's doing inside me. I sat on my dream, my vision for decades. And I said Friday night. I finally feel like after 34 years of pastoring, I found my stride. I found maybe the reason God brought me to my little town and why God would not let me leave because we were created for such a time as this. And when I get back home, finishing up a little expansion project, and then we're preparing in our little town... A second service beginning the first of the year. Because we believe that even though I've been there 34 years, that there's so much more that God can do. See, the question we've got to ask, are we just happy? Are we happy with what we've got? I hope to God we're not. I realized in my town, if I was going to reach my town, my town, the decades I've been there, my town has changed. It's morphed. We say we either reach what we've always reached, do what we've always done, or we let God stretch us and let God fill the church up. God's not called me to reach 
an age group of our community or a particular sex of our community or one particular culture of our community. God's told us to reach everybody. Don't matter what color they are. Doesn't matter where they come from. Doesn't matter if they're just like me or just my kind of music or my kind of whatever. It's all about the kingdom of God. God's got in his mind opportunities that you've not even realized. He's your standing on ground that you've not even thought about cultivating it. I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, this is the only thing I could do for God. I want to be satisfied. Now, God could have done a lot more if he'd have called somebody else, but he didn't call somebody else. He called me. And he calls you. Then he says, don't plow among thorns. Don't sow your seed among thorns. In other words, God's not going to give you something you're not happy with. I don't like picking when there's thorns. Some people might handle thorns. I don't handle thorns. Some people might can handle poison ivy. I can't handle poison ivy. You plant where God has given you the joy and the dream. Are you with me? Let's all stand. I don't know what time it is. I don't know that I care what time it is. If I knew what time it was, it might torment me. I quit preaching too early. I had to be tormented that I could have preached longer. If I went past the 12 o'clock hour, I'd be tormented because I thought, well, I hope I didn't push my limit. Just imagine what would happen in your life. You know what? God wants your relationships to prosper, He wants your marriage to prosper. He wants your job to prosper. He wants your business to prosper. God wants you to do well. A merry heart does good like a medicine. To find satisfaction in life. Let me tell you folks. I don't have a problem waking up on Monday mornings. Matter of fact, I told my wife, I want to leave at 3 o'clock in the morning. I want to be home by 12. I'm not going to wake up depressed tomorrow. Now, maybe you've made some bad decisions. Maybe you've lived a wretched life. But the Lord can turn that around today. Maybe you've blown some chances. But in Jesus, there's always a brand new beginning. Father, right now, we just lift our hands and our hearts to you right now. Would you just lift your hands to heaven? Could you just, Jesus, I'm all yours. Jesus, I'm all yours. 
Hallelujah. I'm not a dreamless person. I'm not a dreamless person. And Lord, turn the dreamer loose right now. Maybe someone has given up on themselves. But all of a sudden, Lord, encourage them. The Word says that in Him, in Jesus, we live and we move and we have our being. See, Jesus knew that when He came, He'd only be here a few short years. But He knew that you would be here until the day He calls us home or the day that you die. And He puts some things in your hands and He he calls them the keys of the kingdom. You can turn the things that open doors. Or you can say, I don't believe it. And you can laugh, live the life of a miserable person. But for me, I've decided to give Jesus my all. And I've decided to be a pastor that gives Jesus my all. And knowing that in Jesus, my best days are ahead of me. It might get darker and darker for the world. But Lord, your word says the righteous are going to shine like the stars. And Lord, I believe your hand is upon my life and our lives today. And we want you, Lord, to have complete control. With head, every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you say, Pastor Phil, you don't know who I am. You don't know where I've been. And you don't know what I've done. I don't have to know any of that. All I know is you got to just turn it over to God. And from this very moment, you'll be given a brand new beginning. And from this moment forward, you can walk with newness of life. Now, here's what I believe the devil is telling somebody. And if this resonates in your heart, now I'm not going to embarrass anybody. That's not my heart. It never has been, never will be. The devil would tell you, you've got to pay for the wrong that you've done. That you don't deserve happiness. That you don't deserve another chance. That you've got to pay for what you've done. But there's a word from the Lord. You don't have to pay for what you've done. Because Jesus on the cross has already paid for what you've done. And now Jesus wants to give you a brand new reason to live.
anyone right now, could you say, Pastor Phil, that word you spoke was directly to my heart. The devil's been telling me I've got to pay for the sins that I've done. Would you step out and join me? I promise, I promise, I promise I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you any questions. I won't make you say anything. But I just want to take you by the hand. And say thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your transparency. And today the Lord makes all things new anybody everybody just pray right now would you just please pray with me intercessors would you pray would you pray you don't have to pay Jesus has already paid it all anybody Sweet Jesus. Lord, even if no one responds, I know that I've obeyed. And just because someone doesn't respond physically doesn't mean they're not listening. Lord, whether they respond now or whether they respond when they get home and they're trying to sleep, yet the words of this message keep rolling back in their minds that Jesus has already paid for your, Jesus has already paid the price. But I would love to celebrate that moment with you. Anybody? In the right section over here? In the right center section, anybody? In the left center section, anybody? You might resist me, but don't resist the Holy Spirit. Anybody in the far left? Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we don't have to pay for our mistakes. We don't have to pay for our mistakes. We don't have to pay for our mistakes. The blood from Calvary's tree flows freely. Hallelujah. Now I can stand new and complete in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can I ask a question? How many in this room this morning... Would you step out and lift your hands with me? I'm going to let Jesus put fresh wind in my wings. I'm going to walk with a new urgency. I'm going to walk with a new urgency that God has a purpose for my life. Who would want to step out with me? Just lift your hands to heaven. Jesus, I'm all in. Hallelujah. I thank you for the dream that you put in my heart.
Come on, don't hold back on God. This is not a salvation altar call. Come on up, sisters, so others can come in behind you. It's, I recognize God's got his hand on my life. Hallelujah. And I'm going to be faithful. Hallelujah. I'm going to be faithful. If the church is going to be faithful, the people have to be faithful. Hallelujah. Jesus. Come on, church. Would you just come? Don't block the aisles. Others are wanting to come in behind you. Jesus. Come on, lift your hands and just begin to worship him. Hallelujah. Renew that vision. Renew that call, oh Jesus. Lord, you're going to take care of all that's above our heads, but Lord, we're going to take care of all that's beneath our feet. You gave it to us, Lord. You gave it to us, Lord. This is where we live. This is where we connect. And Lord, I don't want to miss another opportunity. Anybody else this morning? Lord, I want you to activate that dream. Hallelujah. I want you to activate that dream. Hallelujah. I'm not going to sit on it anymore. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to let my talents, my earthly talents work for the kingdom of God. I'm going to let my spiritual gifts work for the kingdom of God. I'm going to let my testimony work for the kingdom of God. I'm going to let my time work for the kingdom of God. I'm going to let my finances, my gold and my silver, the stuff that you've put in my hand, work for the kingdom of God. Jesus. Let's all sing that together now. Hallelujah. Sing it now. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see. How great. How great is our God. Hallelujah. Name above all names. He is worthy of all praise. My heart will sing. How great is our God. Could we do one last thing before I turn the service to Pastor? These of you that have come forward, would you just step up? to me as close as you can. If you'll give me two minutes, 120 seconds, I promise, Mike's back in your hands. But could I have every one of us just come and stand as a church and just lift our hands to heaven? Jesus brought you to a fertile place. He brought you to a fruitful place. Just pull in so others can come in behind you. I don't like blocked aisles. 
I was behind someone and I wanted to get to front, I would climb a pew or I would move them over. I wouldn't let anybody stand in my way. See, you're not you when you're hungry. Can we just lift our hands to heaven right now? Lord, at whatever level of commitment, whatever level of Christian living and witness, it doesn't matter to me, but Lord, take us where we are and do something with us right now. Maybe someone's living with regret. They're just beating themselves up. But, Lord, I trust the Holy Spirit. I don't have to try to manipulate anything. I don't have to try to make someone do something they're not in their heart right now to do. I trust you, Holy Spirit. I trust you. Because as long as there's breath, there's time. Some plow the ground. Some insert the seed. Some water, but it's God that makes things come to pass. Maybe today I've just been the one that's opened up a new thought for you, and the Holy Spirit has come in and put a seed there. Or maybe you've been pondering the things of God for a while, and someone's already broke the ground. Pastor Terry's already broke the ground, planted the seed, but I've just come and poured water on it, and maybe now God's going to bring the increase. All I know today is this is the perfect church for God to bless. This is the perfect place for God to bless. This is the perfect pastor and his wife for God to use. And this is the perfect congregation for God to raise up. It's not because we're special, but because... We're yielded. I'd rather have yielded people with broken hearts toward God than people that were just super talented and super anointed and they knew it. God can do a lot through a broken vessel. Amen.